It's a week full of action and excitement the world of independent league baseball, and we have huge announcements both on and off the show. You don't want to miss this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. Alright, we're back again. Episode number 220 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will. And... Man, just getting off the ground this week was a mighty big struggle, I think, would be safe to say. Uh, one of the biggest ones we've had, Yeah, honestly. Because it's just, the problem is that the board works fine, but one of the cables we need for the board, I know this is really interesting to like the five people that care about how we actually do the show. Uh, the cable went bad, and we didn't find that out until we went to record. So we were supposed to record at noon. It's now quarter to one, and we are recording uh, this week's show. So we're going to have to make this work. There's supposed to be a Pioneer League preview. I imagine that's going to cut short because it's the Pioneer League. And again, I hate to be mean to them because there's a lot of really nice people out there, and they're really helpful, but they don't do numbers. So it's that, and it's really hard to sit down and do a Pioneer League preview. So they may get cut a little bit short. We still have some very important news. We have... Atlantic League happenings, American, and all that jazz. But just to let you guys know off the bat, we're flying completely blind. I don't have a timeline. Uh, we're recording into Zoom, and I'm going to have to figure out how to take a Zoom video and extract the audio from it and slap it into Audacity and make it sound good. So if it doesn't sound great this week or something goes wrong, that's why. So, You know what? Sometimes, just like, just like a good pitcher, you're not always going to have your A stuff. So, you're not, you're not always going to have your best stuff. Sometimes you got to just grind through it and make it work. Exactly. And that's what we're doing right now. We are grinding our way through this. And I guess we can start grinding our way through the Atlantic League now. And that goes by uh, talking about, I guess, the biggest news out of the Atlantic League, which is on Thursday night. I believe it was Thursday. No, wait, my mistake. It was on Wednesday night. Jamie Keefe reached the century milestone. He has a thousand wins after a 6-1 victory over Lancaster. And it was a truly remarkable milestone for this guy. Guys really grinded his way through independent league ball to really become one of the, I think, better managers and across all of indie ball. And certainly has done wonders with both boulders and now with high point, especially. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Keith, truly one of the, I mean, he is one of the, one of the greatest managers in Indy Ball history. I mm. think, I think is, is pretty easy to say with what he's done in his time and, uh, in Rockland as, as well as High Point too. And I mean, that's, it's just a remarkable amount of consistency because it's not even like he's been around forever. Um, and it just, he's, his teams have been just really consistent, uh, throughout his time and, and that's, that's a major milestone and he, his teams always seem to be, he hasn't gotten that championship yet with high point, but I think it's, it's gotta be coming at some point. I mean, just they're consistently good every year. His teams seem to be a step ahead of the competition. So, I mean, just, uh, congratulations to him. That's an incredible milestone that, uh, that not, certainly not a lot of people get to, uh, and, and no one more deserving, certainly. Absolutely. I mean, that guy is. He manages to always build strong teams no matter what he goes, no matter what the roster restrictions are. And I think you're right on that. He does have a very strong case for being, you know, among the best to ever do it because of just how few guys get to a thousand wins. And 
I mean, it also helps too that he's just a great guy. I mean, you go across all the teams there, it's hard to find people that have bad things to say about him. I mean, you know, when we had uh, Bert on, Bert Gonzalez, who, you know, is a bench coach with High Point and has been with Jamie for a long time, he just, he talks so glowing about him, especially, and you so you say when we had uh, Kevin Tuve on, he talked longly about, uh, about Jamie too, and it just seems like everybody always is, you know, very positive about him. You see in the results uh, when High Point announced, you know, the, the thousand wins, they put up the graphic, they put up the video, all that. You read all the comments underneath it, and it's all just, you know, it couldn't happen to a better guy. There's no one that's, you know, detracting at all there. So I think that also speaks volumes about the guy. Absolutely. I mean, you, you really can't find, I mean, beyond just, of course, of the amount of games he's won as a manager, uh, kind of speaks for itself. But I mean, again, just one of the best guys as well. I mean, people love playing for him. Um, truly, I mean, it's a big reason why he's able to attract the talent that he is, uh, in, in, in high point specifically. Would, in, you know, high point's not like the greatest, de- the greatest destination of all destinations. Uh, to, for, for a player, maybe a big name player to go try and resurface their career. So I think that, uh, it speaks to the culture he's built there. Uh, and, and, and that he had in Rockland as well. So I just, yeah, not, there aren't many better coaches or better people in the game of baseball than Jamie, than Jamie Keith. Uh, and a thousand, uh, a thousand wins is an incredible milestone. It, it certainly is. And, to speak more to assessment as a coach and to bring us back more towards the actual season itself. I mean, the results high points put up so far this year definitely speak to that. I mean, they've steadily improved every year, but this year, especially they've looked extremely strong at one point, having the best record in professional baseball by winning percentage. And now they're still atop the Atlantic league, 19 and six on the season here, but they only hold a half game lead in their division because while they have swept the barnstormers this past week, Gastonia is riding a six-game winning streak. They are a half-game back, and they look awfully strong uh, so far this year. So that South Division is really becoming an interesting fight here as we have High Point, you know, doing their usual routine of being extremely strong. Gastonia looking very strong. And then you have Lexington kind of now leveling out. But Frederick also has lost three in a row here. But I guess more to the point, the top of that South Division is really just two heavyweights duking it out. Yeah, I mean it, it's a war zone, honestly, uh, in in that in that South Division, and uh, just High Point and Gastonia are clearly and and I think we 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 talked about it in previous episodes as well, Nick, where we kind of both assumed that Lexington was going to start to. Uh, level out a little bit and kind of come back down to earth, and, and they have. Uh, certainly that they're in a decent position as in for trying to make it a trying to get make a wild card run or whatever. But uh, they they were starting I think to come back closer to where they are I guess on paper where they are talent wise. Um and and high point guess Sony are just both of them are incredible. Uh, and just the, the pitching and the offense is really not a weakness on the, on either team and. It's not even that high point. I mean, high point had had a, at least a somewhat sizable lead in the South Division, but uh, but just the way that, and it's not even that high points played bad. It's just they lose one game and Gastonia picks up a game, uh, just because that's how well the Honey Hunters are playing right now. Uh, and it, yeah, they've been they've been remarkable, and those two are it's just such a fun rivalry as it was last year, uh, this year, and I'm sure years to come as well. I mean, those two teams are just so well run uh, and have so much talent. I mean, it's going to be extremely uh, fun race, and 
you just feel like that they're the two of them are on a collision course for another playoff series. I know it's a long way away. Uh, it's it's a long way away. We're not even that close to the end of the first half or anything like that yet. But you just feel like those two teams are heading on a collision course uh, for another playoff series again. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, those two teams have really turned it around. Or at least in the case of Gastonia, they've really turned it around. Because, I mean, you think back to year one, and it was always a constant constant shit show over there, while High Point was always kind of the model franchise as far as being ran. Now it's they're both equally, you know, equally strong. And so it's a testament to a lot of the guys they brought in over there to really get them up and running. More than that, I mean, like, you look at these two teams when you go into the stats here, when you get to batting average, they're separated by exactly two points. Mm-hmm. Estonia has the edge by the team average of 279, but high points right behind him at 277. That's about as even as you're going to get here. Overall, I guess Estonia's got slightly better numbers, but I mean, it, they're all just so close, it's really hard to nitpick. And really, then you start looking at high point and where they start to pull away is in the pitching because high point. And, I may have to fact check myself later on, but at least as of the last time I checked and looking at it now, they're the only team in independent ball with a sub three ERA as a team. They are at 282. That's next, astounding. I mean, that is astounding is in this day and age. Oh, and if you want to make it even more astounding, the next closest team is Gastonia at a 374, nearly a mm-hmm. full run difference. That's just how much better pitching-wise they've been. And if you can maintain pitching like that, or even close to pitching like that, you're going to win a lot of ball games, especially with a above-league average offense at absolute worst on the high point side. And so high point is just really impressive in that regard. But, I mean, that's not even to disrespect Gastonia, because Gastonia is still putting up very good numbers in that regard, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's insane to me that. And to really make it even more impressive on the high point front, They've thrown five more innings than any other team in this league. Yeah, I mean, they've... It's just the, the pitching for, especially in, in this day and age and where so much of last year was spent talking about what the hell has happened to pitching in the Atlantic League. And at least early on, and of course, as I've mentioned before, that the, the pitching will always be better at the beginning of the season and the end, just based on who gets picked up and stuff like that. Uh, but... It's to have a sub two ERA as a as as an indie ball team in twenty in the year twenty twenty three is really difficult, uh, and that just speaks to the job that Jamie Keefe has done, and certainly not to sneeze at for sneeze at for Gastonia either. I mean, a, a, honestly, a sub four ERA is really is terrific uh, yeah. in in this day and age too. So they they deserve um, a lot of credit too. But I mean, the Gastonia offense is just incredible, uh, and this is the race that I think we all expected to see. Coming coming into the year and it's turned into it's turned it's certainly come to fruition for one and two uh it's honestly exceeding expectations because of how dominant that those two teams are and if there's not a team if Frederick can't be that third team talent wise uh in the division I mean it's just going to be High Point and Gastonia just beating the brains out of everybody uh in that division. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, at this point, I think obviously it's very early. We're like, what, maybe a third of the way, closing on halfway through the first half of the uh, season. But even Mm -hmm. still, it feels like we're almost on a collision course for High Point Gastonia in round one. And then on the flip side, some combination of Long Island and then either 
York or Southern Maryland, because York, they managed to get back up to 500. Admittedly, their pitching is what's holding them back. I mean, they, they are not a very good pitching team outside of Nick Riquette, who has done a fantastic job so far this season. He's gotten three wins on the year, 31 strikeouts in an ERA under 1.7. So he's really killing it. And I mean, over in Staten Island, just to mention them real quickly, because I have to mention Capuno. Uh, Capuno is uh, it's a sub-1 ERA with 29 strikeouts and three wins. He's keeping that ship afloat over there on the island just to keep them serviceable pitching-wise. So, I mean, it's kind of surprising that he didn't get picked up yet, honestly, for both guys because they're doing fantastic and only you don't see guys with that. I think it's inevitable, ability. honestly. Yeah, so like when that happens, I'm not sure what Rick Forney and Homer Bush are going to wind up doing for their respective clubs pitching-wise, but I mean, that's a, an issue they're going to have to worry about when it comes up, I guess, but I mean, overall, it just feels like there's three teams in this league that are quite clearly better than the rest, and then there's everybody else that's roughly the same, with the exception of perhaps Lancaster... Staten Island and maybe Charleston. So I guess it just really leaves like York and those guys, York and uh, Frederick and Lexington is kind of the mushy middle teams that we don't quite know about yet. But it feels like Charleston's pretty much cement themselves in the basement alongside Lancaster. And they're going to both need big second halves at this point because uh, being down eight games in the north and 11 and a half in the south is not going to uh, be surmountable at this stage, barring something remarkable happening, of course. Yeah, not at all. And I mean, on the Long Island end of things, I think we mentioned, uh, I believe on last week, on, on last week's episode too, that, uh, that, hey, their record doesn't blow you away, but the talent is, I mean, they are absolutely freaking loaded. Um, and, that they've lost some close games early, and I think I was I, could, I think I said that this this team is better than their I think they were two over at the time eleven and nine maybe something like that last week, and they uh, and they have really turned it on. I mean they're up to fifteen and nine. They are clearly the best team in the North Division uh, in this in this first half. Uh, and I know I know Southern Maryland's only a game behind. I get it, uh, but I think I think just talent wise, Long Island is just is, is much better, and I think they'll continue to i think they'll continue to separate themselves and they just keep adding big leaguer after big leaguer i mean uh, adding Brian Goodwin the other day like come on i mean it's ridiculous any sort of any sort of perceived hole they could have they just fill it with a guy who's who has like six years major league time uh and it's it's a big advantage to have when they when they can do that and again this is a team that uh that by their standards, last season was was not good. It was a it was uh, one that they're definitely going to have to rebound from. And then, I mean, a, a, t- a year where Long Island doesn't make the playoffs is like the sky is falling there. Uh, and they've uh-huh. come back with a vengeance, and they they built a, a terrific roster, and they're they're playing extremely well to start the year. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, with Long Island, it's just their depth. You mentioned it with all the major leaguers that just you can't really find a weak spot in it. I mean. The bullpen's been so-so, but, I mean, that's more I attribute to a couple of bad series early on. And being a reliever, it's hard to get the numbers to look better on paper uh, if you have a couple of bad outings early on. I mean, as far as Staten Island, or not Staten as far as Southern Maryland's concerned, I mean, Mitch Lampson's pulling the weight, Birch is pulling the weight, and then everybody else is either middling to not particularly good. I mean, Daryl Thompson looks like uh, Father Time may have finally caught up to him. He's still got 20 strikeouts on the year, yeah, and three wins, but... An ERA of about four and a half is not exactly 
what you'd like to see out of the guy. Uh, Batting-wise, I mean, I'm not really seeing it too much here. Wylanski, he's doing pretty solid. Crosby's doing good. Braxton Lee, uh, the three guys I think we looked at as like, okay, they're going to have to pull their weight here. And then after that, it's kind of off a cliff. Nobody's really hitting for average. So no one's really getting on base. And there's not a lot of power there. So you're really banking on that pitching to pull you through or have a offense by committee, which would be fine, yeah. But, you know, it's just not a lot. Again, outside the big three, it's Casey Hobson with an on-base of 433. Fine, that's not terrible. Uh, and then Ryan Hogg is the next one with uh, a 366. So you'd like to see a bit better than that. And then after that, it's just guys with 13 or fewer games played. So, you know, it's not exactly doing great in that regard. So I don't really know what the solution is for them to start to write that ship, but they definitely need to start to do something here because I just feel like, yeah, you're at the one-game mark, and I agree with you, Will. I think it's like Island's division to lose still because they're figure, they've are figured it out now. So I think Stan, uh, I keep wanting to say Stanton Island. I think uh, Southern Maryland really needs to uh, needs to figure that out, whether that's getting another offensive guy in or whether that's just trying to get a guy like Daryl Thompson right. So that way he can go out and perform the way he needs to perform. And he's gotten better. He's definitely gotten better. But he needs to get back to that Daryl Thompson level, I think, if this team really wants to have a serious playoff aspiration. Yeah, I, I, I definitely I definitely agree with that. And um I think just offensively, uh offensively they're probably not where they need to be as far as being a, a, a legitimate contender. Um, and, and I think Daryl Thompson will get it right. Uh, but I think offensively going into the year, they've, uh, I mean, they haven't, they haven't, they haven't been terrible, but I think that they, there's a lineup that lacks, uh, a good amount of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if they want to be kind of any, anywhere near where they were last year, they got to get some, some pop back in that lineup and it's much easier said than done. Uh, but I, I think, you know, they're, 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 they're a good team. Uh, they're, they're a good team. I think they're, I think them and York are probably pretty similar as far as, uh, as, as talent wise, I think. Um, and I think they're definitely better than Staten Island than, than Staten Island and stuff. So, uh, but I, I think on the Daryl Thompson note, I will not be doubting Daryl Thompson. I think, no. I think I would fully expect him to get it right. And so we'll have to say. That's very true. I mean, he's definitely earned the benefit of the doubt, and he's done absolutely nothing for us to say uh, he's not going to figure it out. So that's that's definitely nothing to look at here. And I guess uh, the only other point on the Atlantic League I really want to mention, because we do have the other leagues we have to get to, and somewhat of a Pioneer League preview to, to mention at the end. It's kind of funny to me in the Atlantic League, the haves and have-nots are so evenly divided that the only three teams that are above 500, at least, well, no, three of the four teams that are above 500, I forgot all that Southern Maryland, they're quite honest with you, are in single-digit losses. Mm-hmm. Southern Maryland's the only plus 500 team that has 10 losses or more. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty telling, isn't it? So yeah. uh, I, I think that, I really do think Long Island. Uh, I think Long Island's going to push this out, and I think they're just much more talented. And 
you know, you'd figure an easier schedule than teams like High Point and Gastonia. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I think they're definitely the, the best team in that division. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's uh, particularly close either. So uh, on that note, let's switch gears. Let's head over to the Frontier League to discuss what's been happening over there. They're about a week in on their season, along with the American Association, but they come later. And so far, I think the biggest, like, off-the-field thing is the Jackals. They were able to open up Hinchcliffe after a rain-postponed first game. They got on that Saturday, on the Sunday, I suppose it's Saturday. And it seems like the general consensus, people are enjoying Hinchcliffe as a ballpark, as an experience, but it just doesn't seem like there's all too many there. I know Ryan posted last night the posted attendance from Thursday night's game against the Otters was just a mere 146 people. So certainly one of the concerns we had going in uh, came to life here, but their average on the season is still higher than it was that last year. Yogi Berra, that said, though, it's obviously extremely early, so it's hard to project anything out there, but Hinchcliffe got open. And, uh, yeah, uh, it was a very big to-do. It was a very big celebration. Obviously, happy for the for the community in Patterson as well as the team that that's going off well. But I'll be interested to see how the attendance shakes out in the long term. Yeah, I think, look, I, I don't want to make any sort of brash judgments this early. And, uh, and you know, obviously, the celebrations are great uh, and, and all that. But when you're when it comes to building a sustainable successful indie ball franchise those you can only rely on school days so much you know you yeah. can only rely on you can only rely on on, on uh, those big celebrations once in a blue moon i don't know i mean one i give them credit for being honest because like uh, a lot of other teams that would have attendance like that uh would would put that out to be one uh 1500 uh oh, so yeah. that, that, those would be uh, fudging those numbers a lot. Yeah, so at least they're honest. Uh, but I think it certainly is maybe alarming is too strong of a word. But I think it is. I mean, when 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 you're talking about getting hundreds of people to the to the game, just like 142, and uh, and I don't know, because I I don't I don't want to make any super big judgments this early. But I think concerning is probably the word I would go with. I I really I do. Th- think that there is legitimate reason for concern at least early on because that's uh, that's a little bit alarming when yeah you just have literally nothing that's the thing like i'd be less concerned if this was say uh, like still obviously concerned but i've been to minor games where i counted quite literally 35 people so i would be less concerned if this was oh it's the middle of august Oh, well, it's, you know, if it was, say, today, the Friday going into Memorial Day, I'd be more concerned about that, because, or less concerned about that, rather, just because, like, oh, it's a holiday weekend, a lot of people are probably traveling, they're probably not looking for a baseball game there, you know, probably more tourist destinations, like, say, the Lakewoods Club, say, some of the ones out in the Poconos, because I know some people go out in the woods for, for Memorial Day weekend things like that, they would go ahead and draw a little bit better. So, you know, obviously the teams that are kind of where you live year-round aren't going to do as well attendance-wise. So I feel more comfortable saying, okay, well, that's that. But on the Thursday, I feel like there should still be enough people around there. But the the only concern I really truly have about it is when you made the move and when AT makes a move into more of an urban area, the two types of things you rely on are walk-ups, so people that live and work there, 
to walk up and say, hey, you know, ball game here. It's right in the neighborhoods. I live like three blocks over. I'll go to that. And the other thing you rely on is just a lot of community engagement where the community plans on going to these types of games. And uh, neither one happened there. And I don't want to, again, like you're saying, overreact to just one thing, one game here. But the school days definitely helped the attendance numbers so far. And on the first game where it's a 635 start, where it's going to be a pain if you don't live in Patterson to physically get there. You put up a sub-200 outing. That is a very troubling indicator for me at this point. It is. It is. I, I mean, I, I think uh, Thursday shouldn't be a normal... Like, uh, a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday, should, you'd expect to be poor attendance. Thursday, you'd start to hope to get it back a little bit going into yeah. the weekend. But, um, yeah. Especially with and a Thirsty-Thursday promotion, too. Sure, certainly. And that that's something the Jackals have historically lived off of when they were, you know, yeah. at Yogi Berra. So, so, something to keep an eye on. Um, really, again, really early. So, we'll have to see. But uh, certainly something to keep keep your eye on. It's the, Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a trend that we want to keep watching as the season goes on. Hopefully, it'll improve. Hopefully, they'll be able to get the message out. And as we start getting into June and July and August... Uh, things will improve there. But overall, it does seem like the actual game day experience is fine, that the field's pretty good, although there's a lot of home runs being hit there. I mean, the Jackals are leading the league in home runs with 24 in just 11 games, too. So not to take anything away from that, but they are crushing the ball, and it seems like they are flying out of Hinchcliffe. Yeah, I and I guess it's not a huge surprise now, given will they be uh, now their offense like talent wise? I'm not going to totally credit it to the ballpark because they because yeah, Keenan Barnum is going to hit his home runs. Yeah, I mean they have some real thumpers in that lineup. Uh, however, it is it is worth considering how much of a contender can they be if uh, if you know there's going to be that kind of those, those kind of scoring numbers put up there against their own against their own pitching staff. I mean, it's something you could also put into play when talking about the boulders uh, that that has been historically true. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the the offense is certainly fantastic, uh, and that's and that's good news and something to mention. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, let's just look at this these numbers objectively right now. Like the Jackals are first in the Frontier League with twenty four home runs. Um, and uh, second place is Gateway at 17. And like teams like Schaumburg, Three Rivers, and Juliet have four and five home runs for the year. New Jersey has 24. So, uh, like, I mean, let's look at the team like line. It just looks so funny because it looks like a power hitting first baseman's line 24 home runs, 57 RBIs, yeah, batting 253. Like, the problem is first baseman. No, that's that's the good news. Yeah. Bad news is they have a 758 DBRA. Not great. And they have given up 24 home runs. Now, I wonder what the uh I wonder what the the trend is there. So, uh I don't know. I it's those if the ball's zooming out of Hinchcliffe, I think I don't know. If it, if it continues to be and it's early, but if if it continues to be a home run rate like that, you might have to start talking about is there any way we can try and sort of, I don't, and I don't know specific, I don't know Hinchcliffe that well, but 
Is there a way we can try and make this a little less drastic next yeah, can year? Can we move maybe? these fences back a little bit? Can we move them back? Can we make them higher? Can well, I don't think they can use like uh, what's the word that they can do with the baseballs like in Colorado, like humidors? Yeah, maybe? the human. Yeah, the humidor. I don't know, but maybe there's got to be something where because like a home run rate like that on both sides of the coin, I think. If it if it if something like that sustains, like it could be a discussion that needs to be had. Yeah, I I definitely could see that. I definitely could see that having to become a discussion as well there. And it's funny because you converse like you look at their team ERA, uh, and you said it was what the seven fifty eight. Yes. Yeah. And so that's the bottom of the league. Then you look at the top of the league, and here's where we come back to my statement from earlier about high point. And I'm gonna have to fact check myself because there may be a few other teams that are under a three, but last time I looked, there wasn't. There are three other teams. In Sussex County, that's at the top with a 228 ERA in 11 games. Granted, only 94 and 95 innings when you round up, but still a sub two and a half ERA alongside Lake Area at 242. And, uh, Evansville, who just finished their series over in New Jersey with a 278. And I'm not mistaken, Evansville did well against New Jersey. They only lost one game to them. And I think they shut them out the one day too. So a shutout is possible there even if it is difficult to wake at work yeah they had a shutout it's humanly possible yeah they had one shutout an 8-7 game and a 6-3 loss so i guess they left 13 runs in three games yeah so it's early but i i think uh i mean sussex county yeah their pitching has been outstanding i it truly it truly been something to behold and something that you know this is a team that the two of us were not terribly high on. Now, I think the offense is certainly going to have to improve. Uh, and that's going to be, that's going to be something to watch for. But I mean, you look at guys like, I mean, like Alex Hart, like as a, as a rookie so far, who's been phenomenal, uh, in his first, in his first few outings, uh, in his first few outings on the mound, Tyler Thornton's been terrific. Uh, Alex Hart, or I mean, you know, Hart as well, and, and Mark McClare. Too, I mean, all of these guys. I mean, they don't have one. They have two pitchers. Like their like their pitching has been so good that there are only two pitchers that have uh have over an ERA of two point three eight right now. Yeah, and so it's staggering. But it's gonna come back to earth. It well, and when I say come back to earth, like I they might be a really good pitching team, but they won't be this good. But we're gonna uh, see a really good pitching series this weekend between Lake Erie and Sussex County. Sure, uh, those are sure two top, top three pitching teams right now. Uh, it's just going to be a pitcher still the whole way. So if you're a baseball fan, that's the series to watch this week. And yeah. then, yeah, like, if you look at the East, East is really interesting because you really only have Sussex and New York. The Jackals are there, but they're sub-500. Frankly, any team that's sub-500 is not really out of it, and no one's out of it when you've only played 11 games of 96. But even still... Like, they're not that far there. It just feels like New York and Sussex are the only two at the moment. And both of them have relatively easy schedules. Like, the Boulders and the Miners face off at the end of the week, next week this time. Uh, July 2nd through 4th, first games in Sussex County, the last two are in New York. Those two are going to play. That's going to be a huge series, implication-wise. And then there's a three-game stint in uh, Lake Erie. Miners travel out there to Ohio. And then that's midweek series. That's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That Friday, they go 
They end that seven o'clock game against the Crushers, and I think it's Avon, Ohio, they play in. Have to cut it all the way back to Sussex County for a seven o'clock game against the Boulders the next day at Skylands. So that could be a huge turning point series as well. I mean, back to back Fridays, playing the Boulders at home, those are six really, really important games that I think you could see if current trends hold up, which again, hard to say that at this point. But if they hold up, those could be very meaningful when we start getting into the end of July, August, which as we know in the Frontier League, August is exclusively a uh, a division-only month. Mm-hmm. So that could mean something towards the end of the year. Yeah, it really could. Uh, it really could, and these are going to be big games uh, for them to kind of uh, take care of the teams that – on their schedule before that that uh that the, the real division play uh starts to kick in so uh yeah i mean they're they're going to be a team to monitor and they're continuing to play outstanding baseball but I, I think the one thing you could point to in the frontier league in general uh that at least and you kind of take empire state out of out of this uh because yeah, they're they're their own category but i mean the, there's been a lot i mean there hasn't been a lot of really dominant teams and it, the parody has really been there so far i mean look at the west i mean oh, you yeah. have windy city in last place at five and seven uh we'll see if it sustains and washington's five game losing streaks certainly something to, to to keep an eye on but um and i mean quebec as well at four and seven after they started two and seven they've won their last two uh but at least the the parody seems to be there in the league Oh, yeah, it absolutely does. I think the West is really the, the place where you can see it the best. I mean, it's a very crowded division over in the West. It's very tight. Florence sweeping Washington's a bar- large chunk of the reason for that five-game losing streak, though. And Florence mm-hmm. is on a four-game theater. We mentioned Evansville earlier. They're nine and three. They had won eight games in a row going into that the matinee, or not really matinee, that late uh, Thursday night game yesterday against the Jackals there. So they're doing well and the Gateways performing as we kind of thought they were going to perform last year. So that's another team that we were so, so on, I believe, if anything, a little down on with Gateway and they are performing very well. But overall, I mean, the whole West just is so tight and just so interesting to watch play out right now. And I mean, if you want to look at Gateway too, what they're really getting a lot of help from is from guys like Pete Zimmerman, who's batting 444 with five home runs and 13 RBIs in 10 games. And then Clint Freeman, a guy that we know, a veteran guy in this league, he's hitting 370 with five home runs and 17 RBIs in 12 games. So those guys are really, really, really producing. And then with Lake Erie, a team that I was really kind of high on, they're currently just on the outside looking in, but you know they're tied for that third spot here. They got a guy like Angelo Baez, who in three starts has yet to allow an earned run. And he's gotten the yeah. win each time. So, I mean, that's going to play. And then I also have to mention my guy, Will the Thrill Zimmerman, who has 10 stolen bases in 10 games. So he's doing very well. I think he also has 10 RBIs in 10 games. So if he's good for a ribby and a stolen base a game, he's interesting to watch. For sure. For sure. And, uh, um, yeah, just a lot of good a lot of good performances early on. And, I mean, the, the West Division, and I, I think there's – which was kind of up for grabs, I think, at the beginning, up behind Washington, and Washington hasn't played very well. So uh, it's it should be a very exciting division. Absolutely. It's definitely going to be a fun one to watch play out really across the whole league. It's going to be an interesting one to watch play out and see who kind of can take the edge on it, who's going to be able to really jump ahead. 
I don't want to say more about trends and everything right now, but again, when we're about 10 games in, it's a little bit harder. Next week's a week where you can really say a lot more confidently uh, about this once you start getting into June and we're through that first month and you can kind of yeah. get a good gauge. That's why with the Atlantic League, we're able to really talk about it a lot because, hey, after a month, we kind of know what's the deal here, right? Like we're starting to get a good glimpse at the first half. And with the Frontier League especially, they don't use halves. So it really is a long marathon as opposed to a sprint even though the atlantic league plays what like 30 more games or so yeah it's it's still like well it's more of a more or less a sprint because you just got to win the halves so that's that all right so then on that note we will switch over to the american association uh the biggest news out of there definitely came on monday which is jim bennett a guy that we were both very high on when he got hired he was the 2019 manager of the year with fargo uh he is out in Lake Country, after a two and six start following a 34 and 66 season, he had mutually agreed with the club to part ways. Mike Cucci and Bruce Hines also leave the coaching staff. Pitching coach Paul Wagner has been named the interim manager. Uh, he will resume his pitching coach duties with the club upon them hiring a full-time manager, assuming he does not become the full-time manager. Since the move, they are two or they are one and two. <coughs> All three games against the Gary South Shore Railcats, who have been on fire as of late. But before we talk about the Railcats, let's talk about Lake Country and the removal of their manager. Yeah, that was weird. Um, I think that certainly uh, his tenure and the team had not done as well as I'm sure he or the organization uh, would have wanted to. Um, I just think there's got to be with somebody getting fired. Uh, and I know they said mutually agreed to part ways. No, no, no. Here's a fire. I, I, I don't really believe that. Um, it was, we don't want you here anymore. And he was like, all right, I'm out. There's, there's got to be something more to this story that we just haven't found out yet. Yeah. Because it's in firing a manager after being in their second season after being two and six with a decent track record like like Jim Bennett has. I just think there's got to be something else here. And I don't know what that is. Uh, I don't know what kind of, uh, I I don't want to speculate, but there's got to be something else to the story that goes beyond just, uh, well, the team's not doing well, so we're going to let you go and go in in a different direction. There's got to be something else to the story. Yeah, I mean, if I wanted to be a hot take artist, I'd say not even his own son wants to play from. That's why he's in Kane County now. But I mean, that just—I think that's more contract stuff than anything else. But in any case, uh, yeah, I, it does feel like there's more to it than that. Lake Country, while admittedly they have not been a particularly good team, and I don't think they've done the best job at team assembly either. It just feels like a very odd time, especially to part ways with him after coming off a seven-four win in Winnipeg. Like, if you would have fired them, you know, after six games and they were, you know, 0-6, then fine. You know, like, that happens. Although, again, firing a dude, what, eight, wait, like, 8% into the season because it's a 100-game slate? Like, you would think they would have waited to at least, like, the 20-game mark if you were going to say this was strictly performance-based. But it clearly isn't. And realistically, on this level, it never really is. But, I mean, I'm not even sure, like, Going into the performance-based element of it, like, 
it's not a particularly great roster. I mean, we talked about that during the preview where we're like, Tyler Pike's pretty cool. And then who else did we really mention? Like, who else did we really like point out as? Well, I don't, I don't think we thought they were going to be a very good team. Exactly. So, I mean, like, if you're going to go ahead and like say it's performance based, then I guess it falls on that you did a bad job assembling the roster. But even then, like I said, that feels like a very thin excuse. It feels very flimsy. Like it's not going to, uh, quite carry the day so you know again like to avoid speculating i can't really say too much more but there definitely feels like there's a lot more to it than that and also just pretty much only announce it on facebook that's an odd thing too right like if you're gonna get rid of your manager you feel like okay well you're gonna announce that on all your social media platforms or put it in a press release or something like that when instead it appears it only was uh in the uh in the facebook post which someone screenshot and then sent out we have the link to it uh in the show notes as always but it just feels like a very odd thing doesn't it very odd uh really odd i think there's there's just got to be something else um to this story that that we don't know uh that that we don't know right now as far as to what happened i just I doubt it's just strictly performance based. Maybe that's a part of it. Um, but I, I cannot see, uh, I cannot see this being that there has to be more to this story. And hopefully it comes to light. Hopefully we find out because that makes it interesting to talk about. But I, uh, there's got to be something else in here. Exactly. This is like that kind of thing where I, I want to do some digging on it and just kind of talk to players and be like, yo, mm-hmm. what's up with Jim? Like, why, why is he gone? And like, why is it that? pretty much the whole coaching staff minus wags left. Like that's weird to me too, that like you clearly had guys taking his side on it too, because two coaches pretty much resigned essentially from it. And only one guy was left to carry the yeah. ship. So that's just like a very odd thing in and of itself. Yeah. Agreed. And I, it, it is really odd. Um, so I guess just wait for more details and to, to, to come out about it. But I think, uh, certainly interesting times in Lake Country at the moment. Absolutely, it definitely is. And so uh, with that, I do want to switch to something else that's interesting, but is interesting in a good way, which is the Gary South Shore Railcats, because they currently are rocking the second best record in the American Association, and they're looking like, honestly, a top 10 team in independent ball right now. They lose the first game of every series, and then they win the next two. They're perfect four for four in series wins so far, and uh, they just look like a very solid team. Like they're not overly impressive at one thing. I don't think there's one guy on their team that's particularly like outstanding, but they're just a complete team. They're winning games, and it's either they're really hot right now or they found a code. Either way, Lamar Rogers has this team seeing success they have not seen in quite some time. Yeah, agreed. I mean, they they certainly. Uh, I mean, offensively, offensively, they certainly look pretty good right now. In two seventy as a team, they're not they're not blowing anybody away. But I mean, the the biggest difference really for Gary has been in the the pitching staff. I mean, a three sixty five team team ERA right now is excellent. Uh, and you're right, Nick. They have not they have not seen success and consistent success in in quite a long time. And so, uh, and it's really early. Um, and just just 12 games into the season, but this is a really good sign for what Lamar Rogers is trying to do uh, in doing Gary. And there's not a 
that you don't see a whole lot of uh, a lot of stars on this team at the moment. But I I, I think that honestly, like they're they're just continuing to to grind out games and win and, and win, and that's that that's the recipe sometimes to to a really good squad. Um, and they they just continue to play really really good baseball. Um, and something else as well. I mean, they, they, I mean, they have three, 300 hitters in their lineup at the moment. Um, and then, but it, the pitching has been truly, truly uh, night and day, at least to, to start this season. And that's been the, that's been the big difference uh, with this team, especially at, at the, at the back end of their bullpen has been, uh, has, has really been a revelation for them. Uh, so far as well, and they cut down on the walks too. Just forty-three walks in one hundred and six innings is pretty good mark. Uh, and they, they're, they're. We'll see how long it, it keeps up, and if they can can keep sustaining this and keep rolling it over. But I mean, in a division that I don't know. I mean, we didn't expect to be that great uh, co- coming into the year. I think this is certainly Milwaukee. We thought was going to be good, but. I mean, a lot of it's up for grabs. I mean, if Gary could be a playoff team this year, I think that that says a lot about what Lamar Rogers is trying to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if they if they manage to find themselves in a playoff spot at the end of the year, I mean, he feels like a manager of the year candidate for that alone. And barring, you know, someone doing something extremely out there, I mean, Steve Montgomery also deserves me that conversation. I don't think a nine and three uh, Sioux City team was anything we had on the bingo card, mm-hmm. but. As far as Gary goes, I 100% agree with that. Lamar is really smashing expectations, and I think he's doing a fantastic job there. And like you said, the players deserve a lot of credit for that as well. And I'd be interested to see if they could go out and get, like, one more starting pitcher. Because currently they have two guys that are starting games for them, but plus five ERAs, which isn't great. It's not the end of the world, but it's not great either. And I'd just like to see them go out and get one guy. Like, imagine if they were able to say – Get Capuano, Capuano from uh, from Staten Island. Toss him into that rotation. Now we're cooking with some. There's fire. no way they could swing that though. I mean, there really isn't. But I mean, if they could, though, I, I'm just throwing pie in the sky things. So what's okay. far more likely is if you're able to go out and get like, uh, oh, who is it? Uh, Sandra Cabrera from mm. uh, from Southern Maryland. Like that's a yeah. far more likely thing there. A guy that's much more middling, obviously on a team like Southern Maryland, you know, they're not likely to go with their pitching depth. And Cabrera, I think, is at around the same ERA as Thompson is. I think he's around like a 470 or so. So, I mean, if you could go out and get a guy like him, not him, but a guy like him at that pretty much range, I think that's a pretty solid addition if he slides in as your four. I mean, you have a guy with a 470 and Indy Ball as your, uh, as your four guy. That's yeah. not bad. It's very good. It's very good. Um, and you know, and, and honestly, I think the pitching has been pretty good across indie ball. Honestly, yeah. uh, it, I, I think, yeah, I think it's 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 a really good sign. And uh, and of course, sustainability is everything. Uh, but I think uh, certainly they're doing a lot of things right early on. Absolutely, and nothing but positives over there. Uh, but the other positive story is Sioux City. We mentioned it, or I mentioned it just briefly. Nine and three starts, seven and three in their last ten. Steve Montgomery's got this team playing, and frankly, you know, I'm thinking back to when I got that message from the Sioux City player saying this is a group that believes in themselves, and you know, 
uh, don't be surprised if we start doing something good. And I said, hey, I hope you prove me wrong. And so far, they have very much proved me wrong. The boys are all playing very well. Matt Lloyd looks solid. Uh, he's batting pretty well. And they have a couple other guys really getting in there and doing it too. I mean, overall as a team, batting-wise isn't great, but pitching-wise, they are a significantly better pitching team than everybody else. I mean, they're what, about a third of a run better than second place? So, you know, that's definitely going to play. And overall, I, I don't hate this team. I think that there is something to be said about them. I'm a little concerned when you're building your whole house on pitching. Granted, you have, like, what? Two uh, relievers currently with a zero ERA and one starter with an ERA below one. So, I mean, you start looking at some of these things, it's a bit ridiculous. So, I'm sure it'll go up at a certain point. But, you know, as long as it lasts, then, hey, ride the wave. But I just hope they can build up a big enough, you know, big enough gap here or get some guys going hitting-wise. That way they're not totally reliant on two or three guys to provide the offense while the pitching staff has to carry the load. Yeah, I think... um sustainability is what i worry about here uh however i mean the pitching has been outstanding i mean as you mentioned it's been the best in the league so far and that's not something i think either of us saw as a legitimate possibility coming in coming into this season uh, and the bullpen has been really good the starting rotation has been excellent um and, and really outside of, outside of one guy who's not even with the team anymore exactly. uh, I mean, so, it's a starter though so they're gonna need to find a new fit starter but i mean that make, is true make a They'll find somebody. Yeah, and so, I mean, early on, it's I mean, the bullpen, the bullpen has just been lights out. Uh, the pitching staff has been lights out, and so I, it's it's hard for me to see not not even just Sioux City, any any team in Indie Ball holding a uh, holding a team ERA of two ninety one for for a long period of time is really really hard. It doesn't even matter who you are. Uh, so. Because we'll have to see there, and but yeah, you'd like to see more uh, on the offensive side that we, I guess, we haven't really seen. And they're hitting two forty three uh, as a, as a team right now. But uh, you know, I I think there there there's a lot of positive to take from a, a team that didn't really have that high of expectations coming in, and the pitching and the depth has really shown off so far. We'll see how much they can keep it going. But I mean, the pitching has been outstanding uh, for this for this Explorers team so far. Yeah, absolutely. I think also the pitching is a little bit more impressive to me because if you notice across the association to this point, the numbers as far as runs scored and offensive numbers go has been way up, it seems like. Like last night, for example, we had a 2-0 game. Yeah, but then the other game was 12-0. And we've seen a lot of 11-9 games. We've seen a lot of like 16-6 games, you know, 11-7 scores like that so clearly there's a lot of offense going on i mean you want to look at the pitching leaders you have what middle of the league like league average era right now is hovering around about 420 or 520 rather so you know it's a there's a noticeable difference here uh, across the board as far as that batting going. so maintain a, a sub three era as a team and to really only have one poor pitcher who's now been cut I mean, hell, I mean, anyone would take that. I mean, my God, fantastic job there. Batting-wise, though, it's it's kind of funny that you just look across the league and seemingly everybody's above a 260 for batting average across the board here. And, you know, there's no one team that really kind of jumps out as significantly better than everyone else. I mean, there's 
as batters or individual players that are jumping on being better than other guys. Josh Altman's the main guy in that. I would definitely want park time for him. But, you know, overall, batting-wise, everyone seems to be pretty even. But pitching, there's just such a disparity. Yeah, there really is. And uh, and it's at least a difference that has been super noticeable um, early on. And, of course, it's has feel like a broken record when I didn't say this. It's early. Uh, it, it, it's really early, but um, certainly the, you know, the the difference in pitching has been quite yeah. has been has been really noticeable. It absolutely has been, and so it's. I'm going to be very interested to see how that pans out over the next couple of months to see if that gap grows or it shrinks. I have a feeling it's going to shrink, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if the batting is going to go down because you figure teams are at their best right now. And the best pitchers are here right now, and hitters are doing what they're doing. Then hey, I don't see any reason why the offense would go down. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, they're a team that uh, they're they're a team that again sustainability sustainability is everything. But um, but you know the the offense continues to you know do what they do, and uh, it's. Interesting start early on, to say the least. Absolutely. So, the uh, only other team I really know I want to get to, I'm not sure if you have any other teams, well, but Winnipeg said back-to-back walk-offs. And Ryan came up with the saying of Winnipeg walk-off would be a fantastic name for, like, <laughs> an indie band. And I got to <laughs> agree with them. So, every time they walk off now, I'm coming up with what would be a different song they would have. So, like, the last time they won on the walk-off against Kane County the second time they did it against Kane County. Actually, it was off of like a wild pitch, but it was mishandled by the catch. Didn't do a great job blocking it. And when I saw the clip too, I was like, see, this is why they should have tried to keep BJ Lopez because he's the kind of guy that could have blocked that and kept the runner at third as opposed to allowing him to score on a wild pitch. But in any case, so like I said, oh, that's dropped opportunities by Winnipeg walk-offs. So then you have other ones where it's like, you know, walk-off winners, stuff like that. So I'm trying to get fun and creative with that. But mm-hmm. Winnipeg's a team that's fighting through it first. He's the main point in all this. They're finding ways to win, even if overall things aren't looking as uh, as hot as you'd like to see. But still 500, same record as Kansas City. Now, whether mm-hmm. they do better or not, who knows? But, you know, we shall find out. Yeah, it's so early. Uh, but, again, it's, it's interesting they do have the same – Record is Kansas City, one game behind Fargo Moorhead, so still a lot to be answered. But hey, a team that's uh team that's good in the clutch certainly hasn't hurt doesn't hurt anybody either. So yeah, absolutely. So uh, as far as individual players go, though, definitely something I want to talk about. And also, Chicago has three shutouts in twelve games. Just to pull that out there, which is an interesting stat when was about a quarter of your games are shutouts. So there are there is pitching in the sleep, although in their case. Uh, Palm's the main guy for that. Three starts, 15 strikeouts, 17 innings, and an ERA of 0.52. So, you know, it looks like uh, a Delta House fraternity GPA number with that uh, ERA. But as far as real performers uh, on uh, Chicago go, you got to talk about Josh Altman, who's playing more like Superman. Uh, He's batting 455 six home runs 20 rbis in 12 games the dude has found it i don't recall if we said he's going to be a problem or if we said like if the altman we saw two years ago shows up he's gonna drive this team and it's the altman from last year he'll be an important piece but he won't be the guy 
it seems like he said, you know what? The 2021 version of me was just the beginning. You need to take a step back before you can take three steps forward because he's already about halfway to his home run total, halfway to the RBI total. He's just gone off early on in the year. Mm-hmm. And that's that was the big question coming in. I think you, you worded it perfectly, Nick, about what uh, what kind of what Josh Alden was uh, the Chicago Dawgs going to get in this lineup. And we've certainly gotten we've certainly gotten that answer because he has been absolutely outstanding. Um, and I mean, you think back to that 2021 year with Lincoln, who's a 305 hitter with 29 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Uh, and, you know, he was still good last year. He just wasn't a star. Um, but he is he has gone back to to being a star uh in this league and that's that's really what's helped catapult chicago uh to the top of the standings right now i mean josh altman is he is right now and i know no one gives out awards 12 games in but he's certainly been the best player in the league by a pretty considerable margin i mean he's come close to getting the cycle a couple times he's had two games with a triple so far now grand the one game he only had the triple then last night he had a pair of doubles and triple so I fell base hit and home run shy, which for me, you know, it'll happen here. But a couple other games, he had base hit and he had the double. Another game, he had the single and the home run. So he's getting two thirds of this thing. And honestly, I put him in psych watch, to be honest, because I can see him doing it this year. I mean, overall, he's just been fantastic. He also stole five bases so far, struck eight walks. I mean, the guy is just unbelievable. This is the kind of guy that I was stumping for, for MVP two years ago. I was like, it's, Probably Adam Britt Walker's award because, I mean, quite frankly, he deserved it both years he won it. Mm-hmm. And mainly because in 21 2 with the home run chase, it was like, okay, well, whoever wins the home run race is going to win this award. Any other year, I said, though, Josh Altman is a very good case of a power hitting shortstop that hits 29 home runs. You know, he deserves some recognition here. And I think this year, he's like, you know what? The field's open. And I get he's like, I think he's about 28, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe he gets picked up, maybe he doesn't, but the, the start he had, he's very much deserving of it. And I don't know what got into him to make him play like this, but whatever he's on, I hope he stays on it because he is just absolutely killing it. And I just, he's one of those guys I really want to see do well, and I'm really happy that he's doing well. Yeah, he's in, when he's on, he is a fun guy to watch. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's been, he's been a lot of fun and just been, been the best player in the American association so far. Absolutely. Like, again, like you said, it's always early, but he's one of the guys I definitely have on MVP watch because he, he has to be there. If he's not there, then who really would be there? Exactly. Yeah. So on that note, uh, I guess we can go over to the pioneer league unless you have anything else to say about the American association. I don't think so. No, we can go to the pioneer league. All right. So. Let's get some of the news from the Pioneer League out of the way early on. Uh, there's some stuff that we have to get to, and then we'll try to do a little bit of a preview. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't finish the stat sheet. I didn't really finish a lot of the stuff for the Pioneer League. I apologize for that. Should have had it done. Didn't get it done. Uh, but overall, it's really kind of hard to even project off of anything in the Pioneer League, mainly because, well, it's mostly guys going from college to professional baseball for the first time or it's guys that have one year in the pioneer league and that's about it so it's really hard to say those stats mean anything when we're comparing guys that have never played professionally and their highest level competition is like 
slippery rock university or something along mm -hmm. those lines versus guys that have played it's just really hard to make that kind of comparison as opposed to the other three leagues where realistically these are all guys that have played pro ball for at least three or four years by now so their numbers mean something you know what they what they're doing you know we know what double a level numbers mean that these guys ncaa and like summer college leagues it's just so hard to make it mean anything so <clears throat> it won't exactly be like a usual preview but we'll try to give you at least an idea of what the season's going to look like in the pioneer league yeah i mean especially with you know you know metal bats to wood bats big, big that's, huge that's huge difference uh so it's always something that it, it's very hard to project but you know probably think Missoula would be good again yeah, I mean, I'm always going to bet on Michael Schlack to do his job. Again, another one of those really nice guys. Like, doing mentioned with Jamie Keefe earlier. Another guy. You can never find anybody saying anything bad about the dude. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. And, uh, eh, Ogden Raptors are 3-0. That's fun. Yeah, go for them, you know. They're 3-0. Uh, but I suppose the biggest news out of the Pioneer League so far is that despite having a brand new facility in a brand new uh, athletic complex northern colorado failed to put in enough lights yeah that's a disaster uh it sounds from from what was going on uh that is a bad situation i get yeah so twice now what has happened here and the first time was on uh i believe it was wednesday night they had to suspend the game in the fourth inning i'll read the whole statement they put out because there is a whole statement about it uh but Supposedly they had to suspend it due to a lighting issue, which when I first read that, my immediate reaction was like, oh, wait, there was lightning in the area? And then I reread it. I was like, no, it doesn't say lightning. It says lighting. lighting. And I was like, what the? So then I thought like, oh, well, like one of the giant stanchion lights must not have turned on or something like that. Like it must have just been an oversight. There must be like a bad wire or something in there or, you know, something minor. Because, I mean... We're very familiar today with what bad wires and cables can do to you. So, you know, uh, I wouldn't be shocked about that. But then we got this whole falling statement, and apparently it happened again last night, that once you hit 8 o'clock, it's too dark to actually track the pitch coming in at home plate. Which is mildly dangerous. It is mildly dangerous, and at the very least, it's extremely difficult if you're an umpire trying to call balls and strikes. But yeah, I suppose as a batter, if you can't track the ball when it gets past like the midway mark from the mound to home plate, uh, that is a problem here. Uh, so here's the statement from Future Legends, the group that co-owns the Owls and owns the facility they play in. Uh, it reads, Thank you to all our Owls fans that came out for the first ever professional sporting event at Future Legends. The game was postponed to the fourth inning due to a lighting issue behind home plate. We apologize to our fans, our players, and our partners for this inconvenience. Our construction and ownership team are working diligently to fix this issue immediately to provide the best possible experience for our players and for our fans. A ticket for opening night can be used for free admission to any other single game this season subject to sellouts. Fans who attend opening day or attended opening day will also be gifted two additional free tickets to use for any game this season. For fans who attended opening day, stay tuned for a separate ticketing email regarding voucher redemption and additional free tickets. The game from last night will resume at 2 p.m. with no fans. It did. It went off without a hitch. The second game of this series will be played at 5 p.m. instead of 7 p.m. 
This will be a seven-inning game. That one, I believe, went fine. I don't know for certain, but I think that one went fine. Uh, it could have also been the game that got suspended because, again, when it gets too dark, they can't play. Uh, the Owls games on this Thursday, the 25th of May, and Friday, the 26th of May, and the Hailstorm game. I don't know what the Hailstorm game is. I assume it's some either softball team or something along those lines. On Saturday, the 27th of May, we'll remain at 7 p.m. at the bad decision. Please stay tuned on our social media for updates. We appreciate your patience and support as we are getting the kinks out of our new facility. We are promptly working on these changes and are looking forward to creating memorable experience for our fans for years to come. Contact our ticketing office with any questions. Tickets at futurelegendscomplex.com. So, well, I think they, I think they handled it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll give them credit for that. I first didn't really think they needed a statement because I didn't think it was going to be that major of an issue. But apparently it is enough of an issue. They got right in front of it. They issued a statement and they made good on it. Now, granted, the Thursday night game, uh, that had to be postponed as well because, you know, darkness made them have to finish today. So I guess they're going to push these start times up, which isn't great if you're the Owls. But, yeah, honestly, I, I, I agree with you. I think they did the best they could given the circumstance. It's a, it's a tough situation, uh, and first of all, lo- these lighting issues should have been figured out long before the season. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on. Like, this facility's been being built for two years now. Like, Yeah, like, come on, let's go. Nobody, uh, f- nobody thought, like, stronger LED lights or something by home plate, so that way we can see that. Like, that's the one area that needs to be illuminated. <laughs> I know, but I, I do, at the end of the day, though, like, I do think that the idea of like, oh, you could exchange for anything, which is like the normal way, plus like also like any fans who came can also get like additional tickets. Like, I think that's a good way to handle it. I think they did. They deserve credit for that, certainly. But, you know, fix your lights. That's not good. Exactly. Which honestly, though, when you look at the complex, it doesn't really look like a professional sporting team complex. I hate to say it, but it doesn't really look it. Yeah, if you, yeah. If you pull up of call like Northern Colorado Owls uh, home ballpark, it's an interesting looking setup. Okay. Yeah. I I... Like the first one is like what it's projected to look like. What it actually winds up looking like is not exactly that. Uh, at least from what they post on their social media. Okay. Yeah, I believe. I, good again, I, I hate to keep referencing Ryan because he could reference his own show, but he had uh, he retweeted a banger of a tweet. Which it kind of looks like a college field. Yeah. Wait. Well, no, wait. I think I'm looking at the one. Wait. Oh no, never mind. I think this is. I think this is the one that they're opening at. Right? Uh, is this right? Nope, that's not right. That's a year ago. Hold on. Come let on. Let me roll. try to see if I can't find it. and I'll send it to you. I'm trying to find. I'll take, your, I'll take your word for it, though. Yeah, like if you if you look it up later on, you'll see what I mean. It's just a very kind of awkward kind of thing where you wouldn't expect a professional team to play there. That that's kind of it. Like it's okay. still nice. Don't get me wrong. It's still nice. It's just like looks more collegey than I would expect from a pro team. And not like That's in the Lincoln way, where it's an actual like University of Nebraska plays here kind of college way. It's like no, this is just college. Yeah, so. it's just a college field. Yeah. So, 
Uh, let's try and get this Pioneer League preview done because I have work in about 50 minutes. So we're going to have to get this thing done so fairly quick. But uh, yeah, we're going to do this the quick way possible because, again, it's Pioneer League. I don't know what the market is. And also, you know, there's not much we can really project. But, uh, basic information, 96 games, starts May 23rd, September the 9th. Is when it ends first half in July 16th versus second half champion postseason wild card if needed. We saw the wild card in action last year, uh, but pretty much the same setup as the Atlantic League in that regard. They've also added in the rules for this year, which is a pitch clock, MLB rules, and a shift ban, MLB rules. So pretty much standard there. I don't know if we have any thoughts on that, but yeah, pitch clock good, shift ban pointless. Pitch, pitch, uh, shift ban, fine. Whatever. Pitch yeah. clock good. That's about it. Exactly. So, uh, 2022 in review. Uh, Missoula fell one short shy of uh, 70 wins in a 96-game season, so that tells you how good they were last year. Grand Junction also broke the 60-win mark. Missoula won both the first and second half. Ogden took the first half, and then Grand Junction took the second half in the south. Uh, Billings won a wild card in and gave Missoula a good scare in the first round. Uh, but unfortunately, they went out in round one. Ogden went out in round one. Grand Junction and Missoula squared off for the championship. And Grand Junction, despite, you know, arguably not being as much of an underdog as we may think, because there's only seven games separating the two, and they had a better second half record than Missoula. Uh, it was still viewed, and we certainly pitched it as a huge upset, winning their first championship in Grand Junction, the first for that franchise's history. In 30 mm-hmm. plus years. So a terrific victory for the Grand Junction at the time Rockies, but currently called the Jackalopes. Love the Jackalopes, as I will say once again. Um, yeah, I mean, Missoula was, I mean, the best team for most of the year, but I mean, the Grand Junction, Grand Junction just, you know, got hot at the right time. And I mean, both those teams were so good last year. I mean, at the end of the day, like it's an upset, but they were 62 and 33 themselves. So I guess, uh, and you know, winning their first championship in 30 years, really cool moment. Um, and, and yeah, should be another, another exciting fun year in the Pioneer League, a league that's continued to really do well. Yeah. No, that's the thing with the Pioneer League. They've always done very well. They've really made the transition well in the sense that they've marketed themselves pretty solidly. They have embraced that kind of independent thing. They've built their own media structure. They have a streaming deal with Flow Sports, which we've made our points on Flow clear in the past. We won't reiterate, but uh, overall, it has been pretty, pretty great of a transition as far as moving a whole league over to independent. I'll be interested to see how they do going forward. Uh, but as far as the teams go, uh, some. It's pretty much either the first year manager or the brand new manager as the case for all these guys. So uh any real thoughts on any of these teams? Obviously, like I said, the preview on our end is a little incomplete here, so I'm not sure what we're gonna really be able to tell you. But uh, any thoughts or any projections we really want to make about these teams in the Pioneer League? Well, I mean one thing you can say is like Missoula will probably be good. Yeah. Grand Junction will probably be good. Uh, you hope Boise is better, um, in there, uh, and the pitching is probably gonna be bad all around. Uh, I mean, it's hard because like there's a lot of a lot of guys that 
you know, that are coming right from college. So you just, you just don't know. Um, and it's funny. One of the guys on Boise, Charles LeBron, actually played in a uh, Division Two regional that I broadcasted last year for Franklin Pierce. So that's hey, funny. That's he 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 hit a home run off the foul pole. It was one of my probably one of my favorite baseball calls ever. So that was that was kind of it's kind of funny that he's in the Frontier League. No, sorry, not the Frontier League. Pioneer yeah. League now. He's not uh, for in this league though. Yeah, I know. And his name's LeBron. So draw your own conclusions. But this LeBron <laughs> might play next year. So. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm looking at it all, and I pretty much agree with what you said. I think there's going to be some decent batters. Guys like Newman over in Missoula are going to do well. I like Dakota Connors. I'm sure will be good. He's yeah. been he's been the American Association some. Yeah, uh, Luis Navarro. I like over in Billings. Same thing with uh, Slipper Root. You know, in Billings as well. Raymond Gill. I like as well. He seems pretty solid. Matt Sox, a college guy, but for whatever reason, I think he's going to be solid because guys with awesome names are always solid. So, you know, I'll go with that. Obviously, we'd like to see some improvement out of Rocky Mountain and out of northern Colorado. Not particularly good last year, although in Rocky Mountain's case, when they were freed from their Monclova deal, uh, they did do significantly better. So hopefully that trajectory improves. I would take a sub like within five games of 500 as a winning season for them. Uh, same thing kind of with northern Colorado. Uh, Frank Gonzalez, the skipper there, he was kind of a late addition on that front. So who knows what is the case there? Idaho Falls, a new skipper. They play 500 ball pretty much. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Grand Junction and, and Missoula are, I think, still the class of this league, but Ogden's certainly up there as well. As far as everybody else, uh, just go keep it competitive it would really be the goals here. Try to be above 500 and it's a good year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And I mean, in general, you have, you know, the teams that are, that have been really good, consistently good since the, since this league turned, uh, into, uh, into independent ball and that being, you know, Missoula and Grand Junction in particular. And, you know, Ogden's been pretty solid. I, I think that, uh, so that'll, that'll all be stuff to watch for. And, you know, teams that are at the, in the basement, they're trying to work their way. Work their way up, but you know, hard to know until there's season, the season really gets going in with three games. Like, there's not much data to draw off. Absolutely. So, we'll see how the Pioneer League shakes out. We'll come back to it in the future, but until then, uh, very underwhelming preview, but uh, that's the best we could do for you if we weren't really prepared for it. And also, with the difficulties we have with the show being under now a wrap up of less than one minute, that's what you're going to get. We're going to hit this back in the third section of this show and uh, wrap it all up for you there but uh, that is the pioneer league preview let's just both agree with missoula and grand junction in the final sounds good to me all right so let's hit this part three and get out of here all right so we are all set to wrap this up for the week um i suppose uh we want to do this first or we want to do the plugs first uh we can do the plugs it'll be my thing to add Okay, we'll do that then. Be one hell of a thing to add. Probably the most yeah, monumental thing we've done in a thing to add. But uh, uh, yeah, so plugs. Let's get the plugs in here because everyone loves plugs, and then we'll get out of Dodge. So if you want to find the show, you could do so wherever you find podcasts. Tune in Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Half of you listen on Apple Podcasts, so I assume that's where most of you are listening to Apple Podcasts. And uh, yeah, 
So rate, review, subscribe if you can't help the show grow on that front. You want to find links to anything we discussed today, the statement from Northern Colorado, the uh, the statement from Lake Country, if really any of those links, uh, those are in the show notes. Those are on the website, IndieBallReport.com, show notes tab. Also on the website is every single episode we ever put out. So if you want to listen to any of those, you can go there and listen to them there. So that all said, what else can you do? You can find the show wherever you find it on social media. Instagram at ALPB underscore news and at Indie Ball Report. Also on Twitter at Indie Ball Pod. Be sure to follow there. There's a lot of fun uh, chicanery on that Twitter page. So that is pretty much all we have to plug. I don't have anything to add this week. Well, I know you definitely do. And I do. So uh, I will hand the floor off to you to do that. Yeah, so and I, I won't make this very long, and it's not it's something that uh, that has been in the works for a little bit, but didn't want to bring it up because the because you know I don't want to take the I don't want to put the focus on me and take it away from the players and the leagues and uh, which is certainly more important than anything uh, for me personally. But uh, today and this episode is my is my last uh, episode as the as the full time co host of the of the Indie Ball Report. Uh, it has been an unbelievable unbelievable ride uh for me and just you know starting and i think 2020 right nick uh, uh yeah i believe i muted myself so that way i didn't make any noise my, my doing it. but yeah no it was uh mid 2020 i actually i think coming up on almost exactly what would have been three years of it yeah. if i'm not mistaken yeah we were rapidly approaching i think it would have been end of june if i'm not mistaken yeah and so yeah, it's been it's been a long time, and uh, as uh, some of you may or may not know, I started literally as as a listener to the Indie Ball Report, and went on uh, and just appeared on one episode, uh, and started to come on more and more until it finally became on full time, and it has been so much fun. Uh, I guess before I do all my thank yous, just the the reasoning for for such is that, and I just I just graduated college as well um, this past week, um, and. As somebody, I, I do want to work as I, I'm trying to work in baseball and scouting and, and baseball operations. And I've done so in the Cape Cod League the past two summers. This summer, I'm going to be taking on a, a almost a bigger role. And it's going to be a lot more uh, a lot more work this summer as well. And I just didn't feel personally that it was fair that in something that's going to take up pretty much my entire day that I, I didn't have enough um I guess I didn't have enough time to pay attention uh, to indie ball the way that it deserves and the way that uh, that I feel like it would be disrespectful to the listeners and and to Nick for me to kind of mail it to just completely like mail it in for a summer. Um, and so I thought this was best and especially just that. Uh, and I know Nick is going to do an unbelievable job as he always does uh uh putting out content and, and what's what whatever's next and certainly that's not my thing to tell that's 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 all his thing to tell but uh but just something that i uh that i knew coming into the summer because i mean literally like that this date was put out it was really thought out to be my last one for a couple months uh now just because uh the players will report to the cape cod league on june 1st so obviously this would this would be the the last possible yeah. week uh for for uh, me on here before my all all of my days are spent at the baseball field and obviously as well and i'm really hoping and confident that i'll be able to be uh working with a, a big league team in some capacity come uh come next winter 
2024 as well and obviously you know it's kind of a conflict of interest i can't i i can't really be talking about guys that i might be scouting so yeah. uh so and certainly that that would that would be pretty surreal if that if that ever, if that ever came to if that ever came to fruition so uh just for thank yous and i know and i won't be i won't be too long for this uh thank you time you are thank, thank you just thank you it's been an incredible ride and i think that uh it was i never really understood that how much i mean i think one day that i was just kind of doing it for fun uh and then nick kind of showed me like oh wow like this is how many listeners we're actually getting and how many people and like people in different parts of the country and i'm like wow people actually and like people really really care about this and that's something that's always strive and inspired me to 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 do better and i i think that uh, i'd like to hope that that i was a good ambassador for for independently teams players and and trying to give those guys a voice when you know sometimes in the media and even in, in even in baseball organizations themselves that they don't value independent in independent baseball the way that they should uh and they don't see it as a a market that can be very valuable and i mean the smartest teams in the big leagues have used uh independent leagues as as a uh, avenue to uh see untapped potential and i think everyone's going to continue to do that and um and so it's been it's been a, a really fun ride a huge thank you to uh really everybody that all the players and coaches and and team executives and uh everyone that has just been incredibly nice to some you know somebody who's just on a podcast or running social media when i was running alpb news as well on the on the atlantic league side of things um league executives too i mean hell we got to interview three commit i mean i got to interview uh be, take part in an interview for three three league commissioners like if you would have told me that four years ago i would have said you were literally on drugs so and two former uh, major leaguers too and two two former major leaguers pete and cavilia i mean there's just the list goes on and on and just a big thank you to all, all the coaches that i've i've been players that i've had a, a certainly billy horn in particular uh that anthony barone um and and so many others that uh that i've gotten a chance to, to to talk to and really talk in in depth baseball wise and and honestly i i really i would not be on the career path that i am on if not for independently baseball this is the re, literally the reason why I, I i thought that hey i i could i could try and do this uh for a career and work in scouting and work in baseball operations it would not have been a thing even on my mind if it weren't for um for covering indie ball and, and this podcast as well so a big thank you and of course uh the last thank you to mr nick firestone himself i i feel like people don't really understand how hard uh how hard this how hard nick works to to put this all together uh every week it's so much editing uh and i mean i'm i'm just the one that hops on a call and just talks uh, I mean, he's the one that, that he's he's the man that's that's putting it all together. I mean, this is of course his baby that he's been uh, he's been done with two hundred and whatever near two hundred and twenty episodes at this yeah. point. I it just it's uh, he he works so incredibly hard, especially because he's you know about to start with like law school and stuff like that. I mean, he's yeah. he's he works so hard at this um and just such an amazing ambassador to to the game of baseball to, to independent league baseball um and 
and, and a guy in Nick that is were that has made an incredible impact on my life and that I owe so much of uh, what I currently have uh, to him. So uh, Nick, a big thank you to you. A big thank you to everyone who's listened, no matter how many episodes you you've listened to. And certainly not, this will not be the end of the indie bar report. And uh, certainly wouldn't, certainly wouldn't mind coming, coming on, popping on as a guest once in a while as well. And, uh, and just, I think now is the now is the right time for me, and I'm very excited to see where where this podcast and what kind of content comes out uh, comes out after. I know Nick's got plenty of ideas in the bank, uh, and they're they're all and they're all gonna I think do incredibly well, and I think the listeners are gonna enjoy too. So uh, I just thank you to everybody, players, coaches uh and team executives league executives everyone that has played a that that has played a role in making this podcast and and played such a huge role in my career whether you uh and whether you know it or not and of course a big thank you to everyone who is who has listened and shows and has proven why uh that shows that they care uh whether that's on social media or 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 anything just going to games and just and listening and providing feedback and everything shows that it shows that people really do care about 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 independent leagues and that's how i know that it's it's in a good place and so thank you to everyone thank you to nick uh it's been an incredible ride and just thank you guys for everything and i owe so much of what i have to this podcast and independently baseball as well i mean i I, for the first time probably ever, I'm at a loss for words. It's certainly the first time on this show I'm at a loss for words. I mean, you did all the work here. You're the one who came on, would make time, would accommodate like the weird recording times we had to do it. So I definitely appreciate you. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on and really helping out in a, in a time where I needed help. Like I needed someone and it was pretty much, I was like, okay, I need a co-host last minute. I was like, let me ask Will, maybe he'll do it. And I was never expecting it to be a long-term thing and then it turned on to a long-term thing and it really worked out and so i i thank you so much for what you brought to this show which was some of that new baseball in and out someone that knew it way more than i knew it and that is something that really could never be replaced and so you know obviously congrats on all that you have coming and you worked and earned all of that and i'm just happy that i could you know like help get that out more and help you advance and realistically that's what this show does i mean it's supposed to help guys in indie ball move on it's supposed to help guys move on to that end goal of being in that major league space whether that's on or off the field and so i i'm just happy that i was able to help move along like that and you know maybe you're overselling how much i do here because i don't know if it's all that much work but i mean i certainly enjoy doing it so uh i I really don't know what to say other than thank you for pretty much three really solid years in this show. And you're certainly more than welcome to be on whenever you want, how frequently or infrequently it, it may be uh, more than welcome to, because the, the mark you left on the show and really on the greater independent community is certainly felt and noticed. Uh, and I appreciate that. That, that really, that really means a lot uh, coming from you, Nick. And I know the, uh, yeah, it's it's it, it's funny to think about it in that way when when the goal of independent ball is really to try and get guys to the next level and, and hopefully in some ways it happens with uh, it happens with me as well in, in the coming months uh, too. So yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun. I mean, just 
kind of and, and i think trying to when the, the way to make the way to make and this this goes beyond indie ball this goes to any sport that uh that is trying to get like more notoriety and like the way to the way to cover uh independently baseball it's not to make it all sunshine and rainbows like that's the, i think that's the most important thing is that like to really respect these players and respect these coaches. The best way to respect the players and respect the coaches is to cover them like you would any other major league. And the, the way you would cover hockey, the way you would cover baseball, the way you would cover basketball or, or, or any other, or any other sport that they're, that you, you praise them when they do well, you criticize them when they do wrong, when organizations aren't doing well enough, when leagues aren't doing well enough. And I'd like to think that we were also, that we were, extremely honest sometimes honest to a fault uh but but uh but that's i think that's the even though that there's being honest uh i think being honest is the best way and the the best way for us to show respect uh to to the players and the coaches and the organizations who deserve uh who deserve our respect and it's not just sunshine and rainbows woohoo like like we're just gonna say everybody is great and that's that's not the way to cover it and we don't and uh i think that's the best way to show respect uh to to these players who work so hard uh and i hope that i hope that i've played a role in doing that and i know nick will continue to do that with with, with this with this podcast as he moves forward you know? definitely have and definitely will and that you're 100 right these guys you know they're grown men they want to make it a career in it and i don't think they would appreciate just having everything you know be sunshine or rainbows just having it all be sugar-coated only talking about the positives because quite frankly they know that's not how it is and you know players and coaches and fans they all know that everyone's an intelligent enough person to know when things aren't going well you can't say a team like empire state that lost 33 in a row you know, well, there's positives here. They got one or two guys that are really doing salt. And they're no, working the really hard. Exactly. It's not pro yeah. sports. Yeah, exactly. It's like competing hard's the expectation. Like you I expect you to go out there and do it. When you're not, then you're not cutting it. And when you're not turning to results, then that's what it is. So uh yeah, I mean it's it's been a hell of a ride. And so I guess the best the only honor left I could really give to you is letting you do the sign off. And I'd hope after doing a hundred plus episodes here, <laughs> you know what the sign off is. Cause if you don't, I really don't know what to tell you. And I'm stripping all the stuff I just said that was nice about you from you. Oh, well that that's <laughs> I did not expect that for for those at home. I did not I did not expect that. But uh um so one more time that that was not planned, so I'll <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh but yeah again thank you to nick thank you to everyone who's listened and i'm sure i'll be seeing you again at some point just not as a a, a full-time po- uh podcast host so of course please pay attention and, and give nick all your support for for whatever's next and until next time don't forget to play ball nailed it yeah nailed it yeah <laughs>